There's a six string in the back seat of a silver ragtop Jeep. And a dog is riding a shotgun. Tonight there'll be no sleep. She's gonna smoke that one last cigarette before she heads out on the road. And then she'll quit this town called Turkey. But it's time to lock and load. Life's kicked around here long enough now. She says this is it. She's had all she could handle, boy. She's tired of taking lip. From every cranky restaurant whiner that she served a wasted smile. It's time to make that outlaw run she's dreamed of all the while. She's gonna take that music town by storm tomorrow, good Lord willing. With the music in her holster, she could outgun Marshall Dillon. But she fires off the song she wrote All the cowboys will be spilling All those tears they swore they'd never show Cause she's the new Nashville As she kills another cup of joe And tries to clear her head Sees her new life dawning in the skyline up ahead While there's a sunrise in her rear view as she hits the edge of town See her coming your way, well you best hide your heart and hunker down She's gonna take that music town by storm today, the good Lord willing With the music in her holster, she could outgun Marshall Dillon she fires off the song she wrote All the cowboys will be spilling All those tears they swore they'd never show Cause she's the new Nashville She's gonna take that Nashville town by storm Today the good Lord willing With the music in her holster She could outgun Marshall Dillon she fires off the song she wrote All the outlaws will be killing Just to saddle up and run with her She's the new Nashville She's the new Nashville She's the new Nashville She's the new Nashville Welcome to this week's edition of the Wispy Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right, it's me. And we've been listening to Guess, the title of that song, Nashville. And that was written and performed by Mike Taylor. And Mike is sitting next to a beautiful blonde who happens to be Shauna Taylor, his duo partner in their Empty Ecstasy duo carnation. I guess. Yep. Yep. And thank you very much for joining me. Oh, it's thank an honor. You. It's an so honor, much. Todd. It's uh, there's been so many uh, amazing musicians that you've interviewed over time. We're uh, we're honored to be uh, considered for the podcast. You, you so are much. one of the amazing musicians. How about that? Well, or two of the amazing musicians. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun over the last uh, several years since we uh, 
since we sort of kicked up on this thing, it, it was not something I expected would happen later on in my life, but I am so delighted that it has. So. Well, when you say that, do you mean that you thought at your age you would no longer be playing or just doing a duo? Uh, well, sort of, um, maybe a combination. I mean, earlier, you know, when I was in, um, as a teenager, I played guitar and that was sort of my first peak. And, uh, you know, I sort of picked it up when I was like 13. Um, and because uh, I figured I was, you know, I was a little awkward or a lot awkward. And I figured, hey, you know, my sister decided she wanted a guitar for her birthday. And her birthday was just like a, a month after mine. And as soon as I blew the cake, the candles out on my cake, she goes, I want a guitar for my birthday. And I'm like, man, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and it's too late to ask for that now. <laughs> so I started playing hers when she got hers. And, uh, you know, I went through high school and, and that's sort of what I did. Um, but then when I got into college, uh, you know, which was a very busy time and I had a, an interesting opportunity with, with, uh, an uncle that offered me to, uh, an opportunity to play in his band, which, you know, I'd never done anything, but just, uh, you know, my, sort of my own stuff. And I was like, well, um, if I, you know, he says, you know, we could make a, you could make like a couple hundred bucks a night, which in, you know, the early eighties was a you know, would have been considerable, but, you know, he said this while he's sitting on the couch, um, partaking, shall we say, and which wasn't what I was into at the time. And I just knew I will not get through college and be able to do this at the same time. And at that point I decided music is a hobby for me and, um, you know, a professional career will be more lucrative. And, uh, so I, I sort of made that decision back then. And I, my, my, waistline shows for it now so i'd be much thinner if i'd ever tried to pursue music as a as a living i believe um but i always sort of enjoyed that but uh later in life um my my younger brother was the uh real official serious musician of the family in the family and when he decided to actually move to nashville and switch from uh, keyboards to guitar i was like you know I, you know, I'd set my guitar down for like years at that point. I was in my starting my forties and, uh, and you know, it was like, I get it out every six months and get frustrated about all this stuff. I couldn't remember how to play that. I used to be able to play very easily and to go back in the case for another six months. And when my brother Joe, uh, you know, announced that he was moving to Nashville and he wrote his first couple of songs and I was sort of blown away. I was like, you know, um, I, uh, I, I'm, it's going to really, it's going to be a real bummer if I can't, you know, jam with him when I see him now and then. So I sort of pulled it back out and I picked up a few of his songs that he taught me and it was the new guitar styles and sort of brought things back for a few years. And yeah, that, that it brought it, but it was still amateur. Now, Shauna, when you met Mike, was he playing guitar then? Yes, he was. Actually, that's one of the things that drew me to him uh, in our school. We had a rec period in the evenings when everybody would come together in the gymnasium and Mike would always be sitting right there on the stage just you know jamming on that guitar and he had all these girls all around him all the time and uh, I I wanted to be one of those girls you know. (laughs) So did you make a move at that time or was it much later? No actually he made the move on me uh one day in class, he just came up to me and, and got right in my face and said, hi. And I was like, 
Oh, uh, oh hi. <laughs> and I have to tell you what happened the night before that, which was, uh, or, you know, which was very interesting because uh, we were both, uh, it, was, it was our senior year of high school. I was at, a, at a, a school that she had gone to all four years and I just arrived for the senior year and we were we were both in long distance relationships at that time and Mm -hmm. you know partway through this school year at that at that age that war thin on on both of us and um I I had this dream one night that uh that Sean and I were at a at a place on on the campus sitting on this vehicle that was a you know famous vehicle that we had there just a stripped down chassis with a you know a, a bench seat and the drivetrain like a dune buggy and we found us i found ourselves sitting there we looked at each other there was a brief kiss and uh you know she said well what about cheryl and i said well what about joe and we we're like shrugged and i woke up the next so that morning, was all during the dream that was all yeah. that was the dream and the next morning completely different vision of you know noticing us like the the dream must know so i can always say she's the girl of my dreams well that now did he tell you that at the time no i didn't know so Uh, is this the first time you're hearing it uh oh no no he told me years later but uh i i had always noticed him because my girlfriend actually had a big crush on him and so i kind of felt he was off limits and uh, of course i was dating the guy i was dating and um eventually broke up with him and then you know i was able to move forward with mike so now the joe that you were dating wasn't the joe that's his brother no okay good just wanted to clear that up (laughs) no yeah we're uh, a little more separation in that so thankfully Uh, now were you singing at that time shauna i have you know sung since i was in elementary school I found my love of music in choir in in elementary school, um, about, well, seventh and eighth grade, um, I would say, um, and was always in choir in high school. And so I I have loved music from a very young age. Now did, at that early stage, after high school or, or during your season year and you started dating, were you singing with him at that point? No, the first time that we sang together was um, at a party in college. It was like a little event that they had Yeah, we uh, got asked by a teacher, I believe, if we wanted to to sing it at this party they had organized. And we practiced and practiced, and we did Leather and Lace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was on the radio at the time. It was sort of Mm -hmm. the perfect... uh, perfect duo tune and uh don henley and stevie Nicks. i remember listening to that song in boston i used to do modeling and television commercials and i was walking through the public gardens to go to my manager's office and that song came on i was carrying a little radio or maybe i was driving to it so thank you for real because i haven't heard yeah. that song in a long time it was it was a really uh, a really cool experience being able to do that and we did that you know they're in college a couple of times and now now and then at family get-togethers we might bring it back but it was still sort of just a an occasional thing at that point mm-hmm. but um you know i guess it's about 2011 had a really good year at, at my company and they put out you know some pretty uh nice bonuses and i thought you know 
I would like to go out and get a, like a really high end guitar, you know. So I bought my first, uh, you know, relatively high end Taylor, and it changed everything. I just couldn't put it down. And within a um, within a couple of weeks of that, a friend of mine landed at a coffee shop that happened to be happening having an open mic, his music cafe up in Damascus, and he called me up. He says, "Man, you got to come out and check this place out." So I went out just to, just to scope the scene. Was back the next weekend to play my very first open mic, and um, did that for about a year. Somebody finally asked me if I'd be interested in gigging, and I was like, "Well, if you'd be interested in hiring me for your gig, I'd certainly <laughs> be interested in playing one if you think it's worth doing." And uh, so I, I I started doing that, a lot of open mics, and and you know, uh, fairly regular gigging for about a year. And Shauna gave me all this incredible space for that. And then she said, you know, I you know, I don't want to stop you from doing that, but I really miss you. I said, well, you should be, yeah. you should be joining me. She came out and did we did the um, leather and lace at uh, Pete Looney's open mic oh, at yeah. Dolce. Yep. And I heard a voice that I had never heard before because at this point her voice was substantially different, you lower. know, a little, little lower, lower register. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I was like, wow. Uh, and so we, I, we started adding more and more songs together. She'd sit in on a couple of songs when I was doing a gig. And after a few months, it was like what she was doing you know, a third or a fourth of the songs that I was doing or more. And I was like, well, let's just make it a duo. And, you know, now the ratio is sort of the other way around. I may play about a fourth of the song solo and uh, the rest of them are duo arrangements. So, and uh, yeah, that's, we, that, that started kicking off, I guess it was around 2015, 2014, 2015. Right. So I did like a year, year and a half of, of the solo gig. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, it and has been. We just get yeah. to spend a lot of time together doing something mm-hmm. we both enjoy. Um, you know, at that, you know, it's not quite empty nest period yet. But, uh, but you know, a lot of people at our age or stage find themselves distracted from each other. And I just find it incredibly lucky that, yeah. we're, that we're, we have this thing that we can do together that... Uh, yeah. It brings us closer together. Yeah. We don't have to go anywhere to practice. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And the gig money is easy, too, because, you know, what's 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 hers is my, what's mine is hers and what's hers is hers. How it works out. So she can manage <laughs> Sounds all the good gig to money. me. <laughs> it's very clear where the, you know, splitting the splitting the gig money is not a difficult uh, arrangement. Uh, Chief Financial Officer, Shauna right. Taylor. There right? we go. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. Now, see, I thought you two had been together for much longer, singing and performing. And I don't remember the first time I heard you and saw you together, but I just assumed that you had been doing this for... When, and also when I found out that you were you know, a couple, I just assumed you'd been doing this for the last 30 years. No, actually, yeah. we've been doing a lot of other things for the last... Uh, 30, 30 odd actually yeah. um, you know at, at, at the risk of dating ourselves here we just attended our 40th uh, high school reunion mm-hmm. uh, you know in the last few weeks and you know we got together the, the, the times that we were getting together is literally 40 years ago in this last month or two so. well you know you have a unique situation in that you graduated from the same high school, so you're mm-hmm. going to your reunion together as right. co-students. Yeah. So many of us, when we go to a reunion, if we take our spouse, the spouse sits off to the corner, maybe talks to another spouse, 
and we're out there schmoozing and catching up on right. the last 30 or 40 or 50 years. So what, what fun for you? It has been. It's yeah, been, it's, it, and, and we, we sort of came in, in a, in a, in a school system that sort of contributed to the same college system. So the school that I went to the couple of years earlier, I met a lot of my friends at the college and Shauna knows them. So she goes with me to that high school reunion. Cause I still go to it, even though I didn't graduate there. We're all, you know, if you're in the class, um, and knew a lot of them at college. So we sort of, you know, can, we're ambidextrous in that mm-hmm. regard. You know, we, we both go to, to reunions, always have a date. It's yeah. really convenient. I don't have to worry about the, uh, about the, like you said, like the spouse being bored or worrying about who you're going to hook up with. While you're <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> you best so, be on your best behavior. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Shauna, where did you, you, you grow up or both of you grow up? I grew up in Hagerstown. Oh, okay. In Maryland. Yeah, and um, he grew up in Richmond, yeah, Virginia. Up in Richmond. And the the schools that we went to were parochial schools, so you lived in the academy. And so he had ended up at um, a school in New Market, Virginia, and yeah, I got, got invited to go elsewhere for my senior invited. year. So uh, I was that trying was the, uh, to think of how to say yeah. that nicely. <laughs> I was I was I was right on the edge of being uh, a big enough pain to. Uh, yeah, I didn't get kicked out, but, you know, a little last day of school incident with somebody decided, hey, if you haven't renewed, why don't you just go somewhere else next year, which which was sort of devastating at the time, given the fact that, you know, I was dating somebody at that school that I saw at that school and not really anywhere right. else. And, um, you know, so that, that next year was, you know, was sort of a season in hell, we'll call it. Um, right. and, and her... Uh, her significant other at the time had similarly dropped out um, at the end of the previous year. So we were both there sort of together you know, waiting to see the other person every once in a while. And, mm-hmm. uh, we you know, that all, yeah. how that all worked out. Um, but that's how he ended up at the school where I was attending. And uh, we just uh, ended up, I guess, around your birthday in March. Yeah. Getting together. Yeah, leaving the other guys in the dust. Turn, turned eighteen. She, you know, she had uh, she had similarly just turned eighteen, and everything sort of changed. And mm-hmm. I got a weird letter from my girlfriend saying, "And I can't take this anymore." And I was like, "Well, I don't even know what this means because she didn't really say anything." And I said, "Well, Shauna might know. She sort of in the same situation." I showed it to her. She goes, "Oh, she's just having." She's just she's just going a little nuts. She'll, everything will be okay. And a few days later, I saw we, we got together at the college. They take the seniors to the college. We were um, maybe going to go to a sort of a recruiting day. And I saw some of my friends from the other school, my best friend there. And and I said, hey, have you talked to you know? She goes, yeah. She she told me she wrote you a letter and broke up with you. And it's like, well, now I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they took us to the Smithsonian. That you know, as part of the outing, because this was a, a a school down in the D.C. area. And uh, we wound up in the in the planetarium, and you know that that over this last several weeks of the dream, and then the letter exchange, and then this little piece of information, you know, to set the stage for uh, sitting under the stars in the planetarium and reach out and grabbing her hand, and it was uh, oh, it was like, what a romantic, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now did you go to Goodready? Is that the high school? Uh, no, it was Highland View Academy in Hagerstown. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you know, and that sort of sets the stage for you know, a lot of the stuff that we play uh, uh, tends tends towards the romantic you know about, about probably two thirds of the stuff I would say that we yeah. play I like to play a few dark songs now and then but uh, 
you know, if you like love songs, we're we're the we're the good uh, good bet for Valentine's Day gig. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite, '70s and '80s for sure. So, yeah. well, isn't classics. it interesting? And you must find this as well that you could play in an area like this where there's a, a well in this particular situation, and we're broadcasting today from Warman's Mill Village Center in Frederick. But when they have live music here, it's kind of a mixed crowd, but it tends to lean older. But do you find when you play in mixed crowd, which is even a little on the younger side, that the 70s and 80s music that you perform tends to go really well with that group? We do I catch do. them. Uh, we do I catch do. people yeah. uh, singing along and tapping that we, what we, mean not, we might not have expected now and then. You it, know? it just seems to me that the older music seems to have sustained its life longer than maybe some of the modern music will. Right. I agree. That's pretty fair. I know when, when I was a kid, I was really fascinated by the, by the 50s sound. You know, so 20, 20 odd years earlier. Um, so it, it's, it's unclear to me whether it's just stuff that's old that you heard your parents like. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard your parents play when you were in the car. Um, but I still think, you know, I, I wasn't, I have to say I wasn't a uh, big fan of the grunge period. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, there are some aspects of hip hop that I find clever, but the lack of melody in a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, a lot of the stuff that we, that we gravitate towards from the 70s was uh, very melodious. And uh, so, and I, and I think there was a period where that seemed to be sort of driven underground. And, you know, so I just listened to news radio then. (laughs) (laughs) The the country, the country sound never lost it. I had the best of both worlds because my mom, she loved country music. So I grew up listening to country music at home. And of course, all my friends at school, you know, whenever we drive around to go to the bowling alley, it was rock and roll all the way, you know, so I loved them both. So would you say... Shauna, that your favorite period is 70s and 80s. What are your top five songs or your top three songs? Oh, that's so hard. Well, how that about the so top hard. three that you, you, the two of you sing? What's your, what's your top three that you can't wait to sing that song? Well, I would say some of our Mary Chapin Carpenter. I just, I love her. Um, and we do... Fleetwood Some Mac shows up a, a bit. In, yeah, Fleetwood it, Mac I do love. Um, the tunes the, like Rhiannon and uh, Go Your Own Way. The acoustic versions of those yeah. pretty much rock. Those, yeah. are, those are a lot of fun. Um, now, how about you, Mike? Um, What's your, your top three of the ones you perform as a duo? As a duo? Um, well, you know, we, we do a mashup of, it's sort of half in the 70s of... of it's an arrangement we put together of Still the One, which sort of blends the Orleans tune, which was one of my favorite songs. It's one of mine, there. too. And a lot of people don't even recognize it. Yeah. Right. So we mixed it with Shania Twain had a, a, a version of a song, a, a completely yeah. different song that had the same title. And so we sort of wove them together. Um, I liked, uh, I have a, I, you know, we, we do a, a few mashups. Um, that, that's, that's one yeah. of them. We do another and one. That, people often ask us for the still the one song if it's their anniversary because they know that we do it yeah. and, uh, um you see there was there's another one we put together that was kind of fun um that uh it, when we were we were trying to get uh something on our on our repertoire from 
significantly earlier, like Frank Sinatra area. So uh, we, uh, we 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 mashed up a, an Eric Clapton with that. Um, that's right. Wonderful tonight and the way you look tonight. Right. Uh, yeah, that's that's and, a good uh, one too. So we have a lot of, we have a lot of fun with that sort of thing too. We have a few of those sort of of. Uh, mash together arrangements so. well for for the people listening who don't know what a mashup is and you've sort of explained it by talking about it but one of you just explain what it is so people can understand who don't know well um i usually you, you take a couple of songs that that either theme wise and or tune wise might sort of weave together um and and you might have to hear it in your head um I do one. It's a mashup of uh, "Rock On" by David Essex, which uh, leads into "Goldust Woman." This "Rock On Goldust Woman" was sort of the tie together from the the songs, but it, I'm you know arranging both in sort of a drop D uh, style so that musically they're they're sort of blended. Uh, another example would be um, would be. Uh, Nina Simone's Feeling Good Whoa, sort of yeah. driven into Old Fashioned Love Song by Three Dog Night. Ooh, that's a good mix. Yeah, so it's it, it's it's sort of a, a jazzy bop sort of a, of a riff that I do that that carries through the, both of the songs and it brings it back to the, uh, you know, uh, Old Fashioned Love Song uh, playing on the radio. It's got me feeling good, you know. So, it, so how, do, how do you two decide which songs you're going to put into your repertoire. Is it something where, Shawnee, you might say, oh, Mike, I, I heard this on the radio. I haven't heard it in 15 years. Absolutely. Let's yeah, I, I think you uh, hit it right on the head. Uh, I will be hearing, you know, driving down the road and, and hear something in the car, and it's just something that sounds like is perfect for my range. A lot of times, you know, I hear a song, it's, really high and I just I know it's not gonna I'm not gonna be able to do that and uh, I'll just tell Mike hey you know or I'll send it to him on his phone listen to this song I think I think I could really enjoy doing this song and uh, that's pretty much how we how we do things we just hear hear one that we love to do she actually does a you know a, a lot of YouTube browsing and find songs I, I mean there's a yeah. there are a, a quite a few songs that are actually newer or stuff I'm not familiar with. She just say, Hey, I found this, this country song, you know, that has a theme that we like, or, um, there's a group called, uh, scars on 45. It's a British pop duo from, you know, the last 10 years or so. I think that a song called like hearts on fire or something yes. that, that caught her ear. And we yeah. snapped up a couple of the CDs and started listening to Amanda. This is just some stuff. that's a really great vocal duo and some really cool yeah. guitar riffs. So it, it's sort of this, you know, I, don't know, I think it's a triangle, but, but it's sort of a, what can we work in with besides, you know, mutually liking the song, something that we, can work with with her vocal range and my vocal range in a chord style that I like to play in a range on the guitar where I like to play it. And right. so um, between the two voices and the guitar, you're just trying to figure out if there's something that we can do with this. And, you know, I'm playing just a single acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. I've got to be able to do something plausibly interesting with it on the guitar so um, all of our arrangements are um, almost all of them they're never sort of by the book they're they're not a straight copy very typically they're something uh, you know people will say you know i i knew i recognized that song but it wasn't until like halfway through that i realized oh yeah that's a boston song you know right. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, now, have you ever had a chance that or the uh, the the time where you both said that'd be a cool song to do, and you work on it, and you work on it, and it's just a train wreck, and it just ah. Uh, because you love the song so much. Yes. Hell yeah! I mean, I'm just, yeah. she's got a whole she's got a whole my book head right away. She's got a whole book of that. You know, it's like we've been working on. I'm going to take it out. No, don't take it out. Well, let's do it. Uh, I haven't got it yet. Um, yeah. We struggled. Uh, you know, we have and we haven't played it a lot, but we. Uh, you know, an example of that song was um, River and Highway. River and Highway. Yeah, we haven't really gotten yeah. it out. We 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 sat down I one time and we practiced that for a year, and we are just like no. We just can't. Uh, I'm. I'm not sure why, but it. It it has it had to do with the that one was a that's an issue where the vocal range at one plate we were sitting you know on a summer vacation somewhere next to a lake and we finally got it together and somebody came by with a drone and actually caught us playing it for a minute oh. and we, somehow or another we didn't write down exactly where we had it and you know off off on other things we forgot about it and then we come back to it you know six months later it's like man i just can't get that right again for whatever reason no um but uh you know i was gonna say um we do occasionally a uh a version of fleetwood max um was it uh sarah i think it was you know and i just love that opening riff on the guitar you know so i was playing with it oh we got to do that and tried to work it out, and it took forever to put, uh, you know, an arrangement together. And it would go back in the book. We'd forget about it, bring it back. And maybe after a year or two, we finally put something together that we could do. Um, but there's a still a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of ideas still in the hopper. Now, in the past year and a half now, almost, many folks have found it very difficult to perform live because there's no venues. Now that we're in warmer weather again, there's live outdoor music. And I did hear a couple of musicians say they just played their first indoor gig, which surprised me. The I don't know of any that are, that are indoors and going yet, but what did the two of you do during the last year or so musically to kind of keep yourselves into it? Well, actually, we... We actually dialed it back and took a bit of a break. And we did get invited to do, um, you know, early on we got invited to do one of these uh, multi-performer streaming shows. And we were very honored to be asked. Um, and, the you know, the person that put that together, you know, did a, did a great job. But the technology was so new at the time. Yeah. And, you know, when we looked back at it, this the sound quality that was available was just abysmal, you know, compared to what we're used to in live. And we're very... Um, we're very sensitive on that issue. So, you know, we, we even did one, we did one streaming show, um, you know, just, you know, a, a one or two, an hour and a half, two hour show. And we recorded it with one camera and we streamed it with another. And, and even then, um, you know, straight upload, it, you know, there was so much lost in the quality of, of the video and the, um, and the sound that it, and not have any audience feedback, obviously. So um, we we actually waited it out. As soon as they first, as soon as the weather warmed up, they started having you know outdoor stuff. We 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 got uh, several gigs over the summer. We actually played um, Black Friday last year, and honestly, while we were cautious, we were on the edge of if if there was an opportunity to play indoors. You know, at the point in the fall where they opened up indoors for like half capacity or twenty five percent. If somebody had this space, our attitude was, 
you know, if you're given the space, you know, the, the, the wait staff is in there all day with a mask. Yeah. And, and we did go to restaurants and that sort of thing. We, we were careful, but we didn't completely isolate ourselves in a bubble. So um, we, we were actually on this, you know, inclined to take shows. So we've actually played, um, you know, two or three indoor shows starting, I guess, back in February or, or March or whenever. Um, you're up at Seibel's up in Burton, uh, up in Burtonsville. And, you know, you could have played outdoors, but the weather was just too cold. It's like, I'd rather be warm. You I, know? I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm amazed that the people who do, well, they didn't do it this past year, but like first Saturdays in downtown Frederick where they have music on pretty much every block. And I have friends and associates who play in middle of winter. I have trouble when it's 55 wow, yeah. playing because my yeah. fingers get tight. It's like even being in a recording studio, the ones that have to keep the air conditioning on because you have to cool down everything electronically, I have a difficult time playing because my fingers aren't limber. I don't know if you find that, Mike. I, I'm, I get concerned about it. Shawnee gets cold very, <clears throat> excuse me, very, very easily, a lot yeah. sooner than I do. So, you know, I can, you know, but I, I find that, you know, somewhere in the 60s, you know, depending on the wind, you know, right. the wind chill and but, you know, down to the into the 60s, I'm okay. <clears throat> but, um, you know, that was, uh, that, that became a problem. Mm-hmm. Our, we, we were not so much into cold weather. I've tried it a couple of times. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if we can't play in a, in a comfortable environment, it mm-hmm. wears thin. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. So prior to 2011, when Mike got the guitar dusted off and started performing or doing open mics and things like that, what were the two of you doing from the time of college to that point, Shauna? Well, I had worked for Department of Defense for about 20 years and um, had four kids uh, and stayed home raising them, I guess, starting in about the year 2000. Um, I just decided that, you know, working and uh, raising the kids was a little bit you know, hard, hard, hard to do. Um, so I did decide to stay home and pretty much I've been home ever since, um, looking around to, to reenter the workforce now. Now, would you go back to the department of defense? I would. Would you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mike, what were you doing in the, the interim? Well, I've been sort of in the, uh, uh, tech industry mostly i started out in the computer programming field you know straight out of uh straight out of college and and eased into the uh telecommunications um area of that hence has sort of been in that realm um for most of my career so now do the two of you see yourselves when you retire becoming more involved in music or about the same I would say more if, if we're able to. Whatever the yeah. situation permits, yeah. we enjoy doing it. We do. Um, yeah. And, you know, a fantasy would, would basically be able to, uh, you know, take the camper around and grab gigs. You know. Right. Our experience has been, though, it's a little hard to just show up and, you know, drop in. So, um, and even, you know, we're still sort of taking this as, as, a, as the hobby. So, and we know there's a lot of people that actually do it for a living. And, uh, you know, it's not really our desire to 
you know, edge out people in that space. Uh, right. But but we, as long as we can enjoy ourselves, it to the point where if we started doing this, like to put food on the table, it's not clear to me that it would be as much fun. Well, I agree with you. Right. Yeah. Yep, I had a, a, a customer one time, and he had retired twice. And when I met him, he was starting his, at the age of 78, he was starting his third career, which is working at Walmart. And he said it was his favorite job of all of his whole life. But both times he retired, he retired because he could financially, and he wanted to play golf. He wanted to do nothing but play golf. It was just the opposite of doing it for a living. He was doing it for fun. And he said after about three weeks, he couldn't look at another golf course. So he went back to work. But I agree with you. I think if it became, now it was my source of income back in the 1970s. But I was young, you know, like Shauna, you said the girls were sitting around Mike in front of him. Yeah, That was a heady experience. So the fact I didn't make much money and I didn't require much money, it was fine. But I don't know if I'd want to do it, especially at my age, full time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, it's kind of like uh, like spice, you know. It's good on your food, but you don't want to eat it by the spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, okay. The, um, you know, as long as long as it's uh, you know as long as it's pleasurable, you know, and you know, I, and there and there are you know there are stressful experiences that I've had. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, thankfully for me, it's been very, very low percentage of the experiences. I mean, I did have one early on where I got booked at a venue um, that was, you know, probably one of the farthest away venues. And it's for the longest gig. But when it was, it was still a solo gig. It was a four-hour gig. And I was like, that's, wow. That's this, long for this, a solo person. Yeah, it, it was going to take the vast majority of my set list at the time. Because I had a you know a long list of, of songs, but some of them were sort of back of the rack. And this one was going to be, hey, <clears throat> you're going to have to do like 90% of what's on the... And so I, I, I go to this restaurant and I set up. And, and of course, I'm, a, I'm a mel- mostly a mellow acoustic sound. I've got a few interesting uh, you know, covers that you wouldn't expect acoustically. But I open up with Donovan's, uh, what's the song we do about Donovan? Catch the Wind. Catch the Wind, yeah. thank you. Yeah, but middle, middle blank there. I open up with Donovan's Catch the Wind. And no sooner do I finish drumming the, uh, the, the final chord, you know, the, the restaurant manager scampers up to you. So I hope you're not going to do too much country. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a real interesting <laughs> gig. You know? So right, right off the bat, I'm, I'm taken back. You know, I've only been gigging for maybe six months or a year. Um, and you know, I just didn't know what to think, you know. And uh, it sort of, it went down the hill from there. You know, I was just <laughs> going to say, I finished the gig, but at one point, you know, like halfway through, you know, the person that had booked me was actually sitting in the audience. She came out to uh, attend the event. And uh, and I saw um, the uh I saw the the manager come up and talk to her, and and at one point some guy some guy came up and says, "Hey, do you have a um, do you have a set list that we could you know request from?" And I said, "Sure, yeah, here, look at this, you know, anything on the left side of this sheet. Play that funky music by Wild Cherry is actually on my set list. Hey, can you play that?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, I'd be happy to." And I'll figure out a couple songs later. I'll play it. And then, like at the end of this next song, you know, the uh, the manager comes up, "Play that funky music, man." Play it. I was like. 
you know what? And about five more songs now. <laughs> now I'm playing wow. kind of pissed off, you know, yeah. which, you know, which wasn't really good. But, you know, by the time you know, they, they asked me at one point, um, you know, uh, they'd like you to take a break now. And I'm like, I'm halfway through the set and they're asking me to stop. And then they turn on some, you know, kind uh-huh. of hippity hop stuff going on just like, and, and this is a and this is a, a restaurant with a with a bar in the back, but you know certain maybe some customer in the back didn't like the sound and they were sitting at the bar griping about something I don't know, but as the crowd thinned out a little bit later on, the rest of the gig went really well and people were attentive, they were enjoying. It. But when I play play that funky music at the end of it, it's like crickets, you know. It's like <laughs> even the one you asked for, come on, you know. But and at that point, it's like you know, well at least I won't drive that far to that place again. But um, but that was like an extremely exceptional experience. Everything else is, has has generally been you know very warm and receptive and yeah. So Shana, would have the two of you ever played a gig where you show up and there's nobody there but the staff? No, uh, we showed up when there was I think two two tables in front of us um, and. I guess about the time we decided to take a break, they got up and left. And so we played half a gig, the ending, with, <laughs> with only the staff. Um, yeah, that was that, actually a kind of a recent one. It was, yeah. I think it was Easter weekend. And we were like, you know, um, and we know, we know the restaurants, you know, the venues are really, they're really climbing back out of a hole they right are. now. Yeah. So yeah. we're like, you know Struggling. what, you fed us and there's, you know, it, it was an extremely light, uh, light night, mm-hmm. and we figure you know it's Easter weekend. People have got their plans. They're probably at church, or, or you know. So let's just uh, let, let's thank you for the meal. Let's call it a day. Don't you don't you know? You don't have to pay keep, us. Keep keep yeah. the keep the keep the check. Um, yeah. You know because it, it's it's all about because uh, one of the things you know it, it's nice to make money, but you also know the restaurant didn't start their business in order to pay musicians, you know? Right. You know, and that yeah. that is a problem. Well, I don't know if I want to say it's a problem, but that is something that concerns me when I talk to some other musicians who will get annoyed and angry because they'll say, those people don't listen to me. They should be sitting there quietly. I'm going, well, wait a minute. You're being hired to make the cash register ring. You're not being hired to play a concert unless it is a concert. And it's a difficult thing for some musicians who consider themselves a serious, quote, musician to get over, that they're actually entertainers. Yeah, there is the difference between background. I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, we played a Mother's Day gig just the other day. And, you know, when we first uh, we first played in, there's a great big table right in front of us. It's a family. Obviously, they're there to celebrate their mom. It's just like we're, they're not there to be blasted out. Right. You know, we, we tend to play mellow. We actually kind of like the uh, quieter venues, but not, not that... I mean, we love it when it's attentive. That's very cool. But but mostly, you know, our our, our niche, I think, is... We'd like to play at a, at a place where, in sort of a symbiotic relationship, people can have a, a, a mildly quiet conversation and, and enjoy our sound. Um, and, and is, you know, that's the ideal. We have occasionally, 
wind up at a place where somebody decides to get the table right next to us and they have to scream at each other. Mm-hmm. Not that they have to scream over us, but they just wind up doing, especially after a couple of beers or something. Right. And, you know, to the point where I can't even, you know, can't I'm actually ourselves. just getting distracted. It's like, yeah. you know, if you don't <laughs> want to hear the band, maybe sit somewhere else right. or, yeah. or whatever. But um, And you like to hear a f- uh, feedback that they're enjoying it. A lot of times we'll play, you know, and just give give the our all and then no one claps and it's wonder, happened it, a couple times you know yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just kind of look at each other uh, let's just keep on going <laughs> I, and i had that experience at a venue one time and then i went to see somebody play there that that we actually really liked their sound you know it was, a, it was a actually a kid uh, to us at least and uh and their parents as his parents invited us and we got involved in the conversation with the parents and I realized he's played two songs and I haven't clapped and I'm sitting at the table right in front of him and it's like oh I get it now sometimes people are you know even though they enjoy your sound they're there to visit with other people so if you you know if you can't um you know if if you can't abide by that then uh there's got to be a mixture but we do play you know we play um we have played a lot of places. A cafe, a music cafe in Damascus, and again, it's sort of where I got my start. We played a lot of gigs there, and they have a format where, you know, people are eating, but, you know, in their evening shows, you know, it, you usually get an attentive crowd. It's not a you do it. silent yep. one, necessarily. Um, and, you know, if it's a full band, it doesn't need to be. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, you get the people, they have their meal, and then mostly they're listening, you know. And so that's... Yeah, we 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 love when that happens, and you know, mostly we just you know we we certainly enjoy when people come up and say I really like, you know, I really like the uh, the blend or the the selection of, of tunes that you yeah. do or the the you know arrangements that were something we wouldn't have thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those are the things that make the uh, you know the and rock the world. Sometimes people will come up to me and say, "Oh, you should really look up this song." Your voice, you do this song perfect. And uh, actually, we... We got a few, uh, few on our set list we've specifically added a from that. We've because of that. Yeah. Yeah, we, when we were earlier, early Seibel's, uh days for us, when we started, we were playing uh, some of the open mics there. Uh, Charlie Plunkett was running an open mic out there pre-COVID. And, um, you know, we, we were one of the few duo. Um, somebody says... You guys, you guys should do. Uh, You're the reason God made Oklahoma. And I was like, yeah, wow, I love that song. And I hadn't thought of it for decades. And we put it together. And as it turns out, it became. It was one of the favorite songs of one of our, um, one of our uh, uh, dear friends um, that, that that was the first person that we know that we lost during COVID. Oh, yeah. And she was uh, uh, one of our our friends, Greg Dillon. Uh, his mother, Helen, she was sort of like... She, oh, I've met yeah, Helen. Yeah. I so didn't know she had passed. Mama Dylan, she, yeah, she Mama uh, Dylan. passed away in April of COVID. Um, she was in a, in a, a nursing home facility after a, a fall a few months earlier. And, um, and she was everybody's mom. I mean, oh, she yeah. came out to all the, all the gigs, you know, you know all, uh, lots of different bands. Mm-hmm. She came out to my very first gig, the very first one I played at the Music Cafe. And... Uh, you know, she sat in the table right in front of me, and then I played this this kind of cool song about Paul Overstreet called "I Think She Only Loves Me for My Willie." <laughs> it's about <laughs> Willie Nelson, right? Ostensibly, pardon me. But um, you know, I played the song, and you know, halfway through the next song, she's leaving. 
we're like, oh my gosh, you know, she was in her 80s at the time. And I thought, oh my, my gosh, I've offended this wonderful woman. And, uh, yeah, so then, like, a month later, I saw her at a, I think it was her 89th birthday party. <coughs> Pardon me. And she, um, she told this really great joke, quite off cult, offbeat. And uh, I thought, it wasn't me. It's contagious. You're making me cough. Yeah. Bring the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess it must be something in the pollen. I'm going to pass that to Shauna for a moment. So, uh, Sean, I have a question for you. When you folks play, do you put a tip cup out or a tip bucket? We always do. Yes, we always do. Um, I try to light it up. <laughs> light it up. I have the, um, the little lighted discs in the bottom. Oh, that's a cool idea. Remote control. And we can make it do all different colors and... It, it attracts the <laughs> attracts people there. Hopefully. <laughs> now, do you put it in a in a say a, a bucket or a container that's clear or yes. translucent? So clear. It, mm -hmm. What a great yeah. idea. Yeah, and then I came across the um, water beads. I saw them at uh, Michaels, and that you can put them in water and then they expand. And if I fill the clear up with the water beads, then the light comes up through the water beads, and really, really beautiful. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's what I've been using for, for ever since we started back up again uh, at the restaurants. I've been using that for our tip jar. You know, it's, guys don't think like that. True, yes. You know, if we have a tip Mike cup, says, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I finally went out and someone had, had uh, I saw someone one time and he had a small galvanized pail. And he, he said, uh, he points to it. The crowd was actually w watching him. And he said, this is Tip, the bucket. Right. And he says, you know, say hi to Tim. Tim likes greenbacks. And right. it was cute. So I painted <laughs> on a galvanized um, pail that I bought on Amazon, mm -hmm. Tip, the bucket. Nobody ever mentions it. It oh, doesn't increase yeah. my tips one iota. <laughs> so what you're doing is fantastic. Yeah, at least they can see it. <laughs> Our favorite one, I don't know if you'd mentioned it while I was gone, who, whoever, we have, we, have, we have one other uh, favorite band that na has named their bucket. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Phil. Their, their jar is named Phil. Phil, <laughs> Phil the tip jar. So, and, uh, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, trying to figure a, a, um, a clever way to bag is, you know, one of the more interesting mm -hmm. parts of the gig because it's not something that we're, that we're well-versed at. Are generally inclined yeah, to do it is difficult because you know now with with the restaurants coming back a lot of them aren't able to pay and uh and so we are doing tip tip gigs and to ask for it over and over i just have never found a way to to do that it is it is difficult yeah. what i started to do last i guess it was well the final two years before COVID hit, and I was still doing the Sunday Songwriter Songfest, which was originals. Um, the, the coffee company open mic had met his demise. And I said to the performers, because we were getting lackluster tips. I mean, they were ending up, if I had four people perform, they'd each get three bucks. And a lot of times they'd say, no, you keep it. You know, buy a new microphone if you need it, whatever. So I started to tell people that if you're enjoying the music, we love you to put throw some money in the tip jar it goes to charity and we would pick a charity 
And at this point in my life, I don't need the money from the gigs. And so it turned out really well. And I did it here last summer. The tip jar sat completely isolated. I put it right down in front of the, the fencing. And I mentioned that. And within five minutes, people were coming up left and right and throwing money in. But it's a, that's one way to do it. Yeah. But I'm with you. It's, I find it very difficult to ask for tips. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we uh, every once in a while mention that our kid needs a new iPhone, but I don't think that works. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say that, um, that particularly, particularly last summer when, uh, when people got back out, they were very kind of the tip jar. Yes, uh, I did it, notice that it too. It was very clear that, uh, that, the, that that uh, vacuum of, of no social events and no live music right was really missed yeah and it was you know we actually um we, we did appreciate the crowd response in that in that regard it's yeah. uh it was it was heartwarming so. right now you perform under the name empty ecstasy mm-hmm. shauna how did you two come up with that well i think mike came up with it um he started out as the solo with uh with the mtx what, yeah, when I picked my uh, my domain name, I just put MTXTM as a as a do- domain name that I picked to put email addresses and everything. And um, so it was Mike Taylor. MT. It's my initials backwards and forwards with the next right. in the middle. Yes. It's anything yeah, exotic, that's how it started. And it, then we we came up with uh, well, Mike Taylor MT empty. Okay. What goes good with empty? <laughs> well, and I think you came up with the. Well, there, was, there, there's part of it. There's a license plate version, you know, MTXTC, which was kind of helpful. Um, but also, there was a bit of a, I'll call it a, a darkness to it. It's, it's sort of a. I, I've had a very, a very blessed life. Very fortunate. A lot of great experiences, um, and part of part of that is you always wonder when the other shoe is going <laughs> to drop. You know, when is this going to come to an end? You know, COVID was a, an interesting, uh, you know, slight picture of that, especially but, in those first four months. Yeah, um, and and some of the the way even before that that you know the discourse in public has gone. And some of the trends that have happened in the last several years, uh, but so, and then as wonderful as our life together has been, mm-hmm. you always wonder. Well, e- even in the, the moments of the of the most pleasure, the most ecstasy that you can be experiencing for whatever the situation is, you always know. Well, it, it won't last forever, and that. If you let it, that'll bring a hollowness to it. So that's sort of where the empty ecstasy started comes from, is when you're enjoying it but knowing it can't last. Yeah. And so... Um, it fit good together. We sort of yeah. thought about it, and we, we tried it out. At one point, somebody said, oh, my gosh, wow, geez, that sounds that's dark. deep. Yeah. And then um, that was the first time somebody introduced us, and then we met that same person, like, I don't know, a month or two later, and I don't know if they had been drinking the first time that they, that they heard us say that, but the next time he goes, oh, man, I love that. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll stick with it. <laughs> um, 
Well, I didn't like the Beatles when they first came out. It took me about two or three months. Yeah. yeah. I thought, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the the name was clever, though, I thought, you know. Oh, yeah. you know, I didn't I know never until I was older how that the spelling made a difference. So. Well, I didn't know that until the last couple of years reading some of the books that are out there when they said beat, mm. B-E-A-T, yeah. like beat, musical beat. Right. beat yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah, all <laughs> these years, didn't realize that, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that's, it's, it's been interesting. Um, we've always want, I mean, I've always wondered whether that name is a as a help or a hindrance. I, I suspect on emailing it gets us filtered out a lot of a lot of spam filters. Probably oh, ecstasy. No, it's it's right. it's off color. It's drugs. I it's never so. thought of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a backup name Neither um, we. that will that we have uh, on reserve if we ever need it. That'll that will yeah. will bring out at some point if we need it. But Shana, uh, what is the backup name? So somebody will steal it if we tell you. Uh, okay. Shh, shh, shh. Okay. I won't. Yeah, I won't talk. Yeah, you, you won't cut it out, though, will you? Yeah. We'll tell you afterwards. How about that? No, that's that's fine. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I've had a whole lot of fun. I hope you have. Oh, it's been we delightful. Yes. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you. My goodness, it's. Uh, it was all, I've always enjoyed uh, hearing your music and and listening to podcasts is. Uh, as, has always been a pleasure too. And uh, like I said, you're you're. I've never met anybody that put anybody as at ease as you do. I mean, when we were coming up here, Sean was like, I don't know how I'm going to, you can, you can do all the talking. <laughs> Clearly you brought her out. And, well, and, and even on when we're yeah. performing, you know, she's like probably one fourth of the, uh, the talking well, comes out of Sean. you do it so well. Yeah, I but, mean, but it, it you all. You always have something to say. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got Me, a big not mouth. so much, but. But it was, I, I actually found it very fascinating watching how, how well your interview style brought her out. Thank you so well, much for that. Well, I mean, you're interesting people. And Thank you. as I tell, and I mentioned it on the podcast many, many times, and I talk to people when I'm, you know, talking about the podcast, and they say, why did you do it? I said, well, one, I love microphones. I have always loved microphones. I like the sound of people's voices coming through either speakers or headphones. And I said, for doing all the shows that I've done, all the showcases or the open mics for so long, I know all of these people who are musicians, but I don't really know a lot about them because my conversation length with them is two minutes, right. one minute, three minutes. Yeah. I mean, Mike and I were, were, were fortunate, or at least I was fortunate, when That's I went mutual. to the open mic that one time at Music Cafe, and you and I sort of stood in the back and we chatted for a while. And that was highly unusual for me because usually it's, hi, how are you? And, and do you need anything from me? You know, do you have your, did you change the battery in your guitar? Things like that. So this is fun for me. I learned right. so much more about people. And I think also for at least people who are in our geographical range, which is the greater Baltimore, D.C., Frederick area. It's kind of the big triangle. The, they've, Many of the people who've been on the podcast, they've either heard about or seen or heard, and they get a good chance of learning more about them. So this has been a lot of fun for me. It really has. So thank you for, for, my, for the first outdoor podcast of 2021. Well, it's, oh, wow. an, it's an honor to do it, it and uh, we're glad we could do it outdoors too because yeah, we, we, we love we love performing outdoors whenever the conditions are uh, you know, hospitable for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a delight. And thank you for bringing your mic cord with you. 
Oh, I, you know what? The, the rig is always with me. We're, yeah. we're ready to go ready almost to at go. any time. Yeah. yeah, it was a... I don't live that far away, but when I took that out of the box and I went to plug it in, it's a five pin. I went, uh-oh. So I, and you'd called me and said you had mic stands. No, you're not going to need them. I think I'm hoping he's got a microphone uh, cable. Got the, got the entire PA and we're gig ready at all times. Right. So. Yeah. Well, maybe the next time we'll have you play some things live. How's that? That'd be great. Sounds good. That'd be great. So we're going to end the show with Luna Cancuna. I have a quick question. It's an instrumental that Mike plays on the guitar. Shauna, has it anything to do with a vacation you took to Cancun or anything like that? I believe that it came from sitting on the beach in Mexico when we went to Cancun. Yeah, we, we, did, uh, we did go back to... Um, and he just started playing we, it. and We went to Cancun on our 25th anniversary. Yeah, uh, it was stuck. a fantastic trip, and mm-hmm. I, you know, the guitar goes with me everywhere I travel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was full moon. I'm on the balcony. Right. And I, that sort of came to me, most of it there. I developed a little bit later, but that's where the name came from. Well, folks, listen to Luna Cancuna. Wisby Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series is produced by me, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right. It's me from the Frederick, Maryland area, and it's normally in the studio. But today, 
It's outside at Warman's Mill Village Center under the gazebo. Pleasant. And I want to thank Mike and Shauna Taylor for joining me today. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the song.